0: Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Linux Luddites is a show where we try out all the latest free and
1: open source software and then decide if we like the old stuff better. More than just news and releases, we check out a wide range of Linux distros, cover your feedback, talk about obscure command line programs, discuss burning issues over a pint, and much, much more. So join me, Paddy, and me, Joe, every two weeks for news, reviews, comment, and generally being grumpy at linuxluddites.com. Linux Luddites because not all change is progress.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 120, 120 of Linux Ooh. in the ham Shack. Yes, 120. Not binary, vaguely decimal, certainly not base 12, just a number, 120. Uh, and we have a cool show tonight because it just so happens that a, a friend of the show decided to pull another rabbit out of his hat in the accessible computing world, so... We'll get to him in just a moment, but before we do that, we will welcome the co-host with the most from Montreal, Canada, Pete V2XPL. How's it going, Pete?
2: Good evening, everyone. Yeah, it's going cold. I was talking about that in the pre-show, 15 degrees right now, 15 Celsius, 5 degrees Fahrenheit. It's been freezing here, but uh, on the plus side, uh, we've had uh, some nice powdery snow and we're uh, ready for Christmas. Uh, So, uh, yeah, it's all uh, very pristine out there. It's it's still snowing now, which which flabbergasts me because it normally never snows when it's that cold, but apparently... uh, Sometimes it does. So, uh, yeah, happy to be here. Uh, thanks for having me once again. 120, that's exciting. It's an it's an even number, so I'm always excited when uh, when we hit uh, the uh it's like a new decade,
0: you know. <laughs> well, 122 is technically an even number as well. So, <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, very good. All of our snow is gone, but let's check in and see how much snow there is out in Massachusetts tonight and uh, check in with Jonathan. Come on, you, you do his name much better than I.D.P.
2: C'est Jonathan Nadeau qui est notre invité spécial, our special guest. Uh, take it away, Jonathan. Bonjour. Uh, excellent.
0: <laughs> We've exhausted his knowledge of French.
2: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, he's got a few other words in there. I heard him before.
3: But uh, yeah, it's, there's snow on the ground here. It was snowing all day today. Uh, as far as how many inches, enough to be annoying. So I, I'm not a fan of snow at all. So am kind of in, living in the wrong place if you don't like snow.
2: But where are you, by the way? I'm in
3: Massachusetts. I live like an hour outside of Boston.
2: Okay, oh, nice. That's a nice country there.
0: That's my part of the country. That's where I'm from. So Well, not not specifically where he's from. I'm from New Hampshire, but close enough.
3: Yeah, we can talk about uh, Russ's favorite uh, lake. Um, oh, yeah. The chog magog mogog bogog
0: <laughs> That was close. <laughs> <laughs> i've i've said it many times in my my career and i think the last time you were on we talked about it too so we probably don't need yeah to, exactly yeah it's lake webster okay <laughs> <laughs>
2: i was expecting some like fancy native name
0: it is it is a fancy okay you're gonna make me say it again you <laughs> yeah, weren't on the I, show I'd say it russ all right he wasn't on the show when when i said it the last time yeah so it's Chargagog manchagagog chubba Chaba gungamog
2: that's actually the name of the lake. That is the That's name of the lake. Seriously, the name of the lake.
0: <laughs> and how does that fit on a map? It doesn't. That's why it's called Lake Webster. <laughs> <Excellent>. <laughs> so uh, very good. So uh, you can an
2: episode on the, uh, the the origins of the name.
0: It's it's uh, look it up on Wikipedia. It's there.
2: Yeah, sure. <laughs>
0: I'll just type that in right now. Um, if you <laughs> start <Yeah. laughs> take me till the end of the show, <laughs> if you start out with C H A R G O G G, you'll find it because <laughs> like, there is no other combination. You know, there's nothing else with that combination of letters in it.
2: Good point. I'll try that later, <laughs> later on during the musical interlude. <laughs> there
0: you go. You'll have a couple of minutes to work with it then.
4: Yeah,
2: absolutely.
0: All right, well, we're going to talk to Jonathan about what's going on with him in the second segment of the show after the first musical break, but there are some other things that we're going to talk about, and Jonathan, of course, I already mentioned this to you, but we'll say it live that you can jump in on any of these topics if you like. Um, would you be interested in getting onto the Etherpad? Would that help you out at all so you know what we're uh, talking
3: It's not really accessible, so you don't have to worry. I can, I can roll with the punches.
0: It's all text. <laughs> yeah.
3: Yeah, but it's all JavaScript, and it's hit or miss.
0: Oh, okay. In that case, sorry. (laughs) No no, no problem. (laughs) Um, I can can paste it all into a Skype text. (laughs) You can have three pages to read.
3: Yeah, no, it's okay. All
0: right, well, you'll know what we're talking about when we talk about it. So I'll go ahead and hit the first topic here since I put this one in. On December 13th, a long-awaited operating system based on Linux called SteamOS from the folks over at Valve was released. Um, a beta of it, of, anyway, was released. There is no real easy way to install SteamOS at this point. You have to download it onto, or they expect you to download it onto a USB flash drive on bare metal and then load it that way. However, YouTube, being my new best friend... I was able to find a video where they explained how you can take a couple of utilities and convert the SteamOS installer to an ISO and then get it to run uh, pretty adequately, actually, inside of VirtualBox, which is good for me because I don't have a bunch of bare metal computers lying around that I can install SteamOS. And its specifications or its uh, expected, you know, Performance metrics are pretty steep. They actually want you to have at least 4 gigs of RAM. They want you to have 128 megs or better of video RAM, and a lot more than that is even better still. You have to have an NVIDIA chipset because all of the performance enhancements are based on the proprietary NVIDIA drivers. And they want you to have a terabyte of hard drive space because of all, you know, the games... When you download them, they're all, you know, DVD sized or larger, so you have to have a lot of space in order to keep them on your local machine. Mind you, a Terra is pretty standard now in most machines anyways. That's true. But we're talking about people who run Linux and who point. generally want things or expect things to be somewhat smaller and less resource intensive, shall we say. And this kind of is exactly the opposite of that. But if you are a gamer and you want to take advantage of Steam, you can actually do that on Ubuntu already. But Steam OS is something that Valve has said they're going to release just so that you can do the install and have Steam at your fingertips, all ready to go. And as it happens, that's exactly what you get. What's interesting about SteamOS is that while they originally made it a uh, steam available for Ubuntu steam OS is based on Debian. I actually think that's cool because quite frankly, I hate Ubuntu at this point. I, okay. I, ub, hate's probably a strong word. I don't hate Ubuntu, but I like Debian more. You dislike it very much. I, <laughs> yeah. It's more that I just don't use it anymore because I don't see the point in it. I, I think their, their choices don't line up with my, mental alignment, if that's a way to say anything. And um, Debian... Does, just, does anything line up with that? Probably not. <laughs> maybe, maybe you can say <laughs> you right.
3: don't agree with them
0: philosophically. Well, it's not even a philosophical issue. I just think they've done some stupid things. And stupid is not a philosophy. Unless you're Ubuntu, I guess. I don't know. If you want to install SteamOS, go ahead and try it. You should not be a super Linux noob if you attempt this. Because it's not like a live ISO you can pop in, you know, click, click, bang, you're done. You do have to do some work. I'm going to post a link to the YouTube video that I saw so that if you don't want to do it exactly the way they have and you don't have a bare metal machine, you want to try it inside of a virtual machine, you can do that as well. It's not, not terribly difficult, but uh, it does require some CLI work and some non-intuitive, you know, typing. Stuff that I'd never actually seen before because it has a uafi bootloader and some weirdness that that I'm not used to. So even I wouldn't have been able to figure it out without the video. Linux God that I am. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so right. yeah, yeah right. Oh, good. I wish we could get Bill Cosby on right. here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you're pretty good
2: with Linux, so I'll, I'll give you that.
0: You are uh, somewhat of a
2: <laughs> Linux deity. <laughs>
0: A uh, demigod, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, we'll go with that. <laughs> okay, it is out there. It is worth a try if you want to try it. If you, if especially if you're into the Valve games and the whole Steam platform, it is definitely worth a try. The interface is straight up GNOME three, based on Debian seven, Debian Wheezy. And so, if you install it and get it installed, you will see that it's very familiar to you. But like I said, it doesn't install like Debian Wheezy. It installs. You know, there there are some basic instructions on the page and uh, links, of course, to the, the page and all that stuff will be in the show notes. So you, you'll have all of the information. You'll be armed with the tools you need in order to install this if you so wish to do so. But you'll find that it's a little non-intuitive, a little slower than average, a bit buggy. But it does do what it says, and I assume by the time they have a release candidate and an actual release where they you know bundle it up as an iso, this will be something worth using. But if you're one of those bleeding edge type folks, you know here you can get in on the ground floor.
3: I don't have a uh, popular view on this, so your listeners might may not appreciate my opinion on this topic. I am a uh, free software advocate, and actually I was appointed uh, Director of Accessibility for the Free Software Foundation uh, like a week ago. So I'm not speaking on behalf of the FSF. I'm speaking on behalf of just me as a free software advocate. Steam on GNU Linux is a bad thing, and I'm not a fan of it at all. I, I hope that they do whatever they're doing and don't say they're using Linux and do their own thing and sandbox everything. Because Steam on GNU Linux and you know running on top of free software like this is not good for free software. They're pushing their proprietary software on top of this. People say, like, well, Steam's doing a great job. They're getting, you know, the NVIDIA drivers to work better. Uh, yeah, they're getting the proprietary drivers to work better. They're they're creating more proprietary software on top of my, you know, free software. And what worries me is that this will be successful, and then other companies are going to say, hey, Steam's doing uh, pretty well over there. Let's start pushing our proprietary garbage on top of Linux also. And then before you know it, it what used to be a 98%, 99% free operating system is now 50% free because, you know, Steam and other companies are going to take advantage of this, and they don't care, like, what GNU Linux is, what free software is. They could care less. All they know it's free, and they could take advantage of it. And uh, so that's why I'm not a fan of Steam.
2: So uh, Steam is
0: proprietary, then? Yes. yes. Okay. It is proprietary. I guess I should have pointed that out first thing, but... <laughs> well, maybe
2: it's an obvious thing for, for some Linux peeps, but I'm... Uh... I did not know that.
0: I think the steam audience is the steam audience regardless. There's there's always been the people who use open source software and don't give a rip about free software and what it means. Yeah. yeah. For these people, I think it's a good thing and I honestly don't know that it's going to take off in a direction that's going to kill free software in favor of proprietary software. I don't think it has that kind of leverage. I understand your perspective. I just don't see it quite that pessimistically, I guess.
3: It won't kill free software. Free software, I mean, it really can't die.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I think we lost them. NSA got him. He says free software can't die. (laughs) That was the last (laughs) we ever heard from (laughs) Jones. Can you you hear me now? Yeah, we can hear
3: you Okay. That's (laughs) weird. I can can (laughs) still (laughs) hear you guys, but you couldn't hear me. (laughs) Free software can't die. (laughs) (laughs) Point, point taken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. But, but, uh, Steam, Steam is proprietary, but it's it's free. It's monetarily free. Free as in it, cost, right. It's free as in cost, but it's not free as in you can't get the code. Software freedom, correct. Okay. Right. So, so, like, so like I, I said... I see where people would be fooled by that, then they'd be like, oh, that's awesome.
3: Yeah, like I said, it's, my opinion isn't very popular. I, every time the topic comes up, I voice my opinion and no one really appreciates it. But I, I, I'm just looking at it from if it succeeds, this could possibly happen. And that's why... I'm not a fan of it, and like I said, um, so- free software won't, uh, I mean, they'll never kill it, but, and there will always be like distributions that focus on, you know, software freedom and wanting to be as pure as possible, but I, I would just, I'd rather them embrace how free software works. I mean, Red Hat is a perfect example of a company that could do that. They, they work with free software, they work in the, the free software community, they know exactly how it works. And they contribute tons of stuff to the free software community. You know, they they do like ten or twenty percent of uh, kernel uh, patches. They do ten or twenty percent of GNOME development. They've created network manager, all types of things. And they give back. And yet they're a billion dollar company. So it can be done. You don't have to be this proprietary software company. You know, using quote unquote open source software, leveraging it to benefit you, and then just make all kinds of money and not give anything back. So Red Hat's the perfect example that it can be done.
0: Yeah, I, and, I think the other side. Sorry, go ahead, Russ. No, no, go ahead, Pete. I've talked enough. <laughs> I
2: was just going to say that it's happened before too. I mean, it's not the first time that somebody will piggyback on Linux and 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 use it for their own profit. Not not that it's right. I mean, I'm just saying they're right. not the first people to do it. Using my headphones.
0: I think I think this is okay in the sense that the audience for Steam in the first place is already rooted in proprietary software they're used to game consoles and stuff like that Mm -hmm. where everything is proprietary and they have to pay for everything and i honestly think that if anyone's going to be using steam on linux they're going to do it from the right perspective because if they know anything about linux anyway they already understand the underlying free software concept and anybody else who is into the as is a console gamer will just stick to being a console gamer or using windows or whatever
3: Yeah, that's why I hope Steam keeps moving their Steam box along. It becomes its own appliance, and they can just do whatever it is they want to do.
0: All right, Pete, this next one's yours, so go for it. Twitter from the command line.
2: So for all you uh, command line junkies there, I won't go into detail on this, but I uh, was on a uh, website called uh, xmodulo, Xmodulo xmodulo.com, and it's basically a Linux uh, tips website for those of you who want to check it out. They have all kinds of neat little uh, tricks and uh, tips for you on there. This was posted uh, December 16th, so uh, it was uh, yesterday, I guess. Uh, And basically, they uh, say that there's really no uh, shortage of uh, Twitter clients available. Uh, you know they they all kind of uh, differ uh, in their interfaces and you know there's mobile applications and uh, PC applications and this and that. But uh, uh, for those who uh, want to do it from the command line, uh, there's one called uh, T. It's a single single letter tool called T, and uh, it's a command line Twitter client written in Ruby. So uh, despite its uh, bare bones user interface, uh, Twitter CLI T uh, boasts very powerful features. Uh, they claim. Uh, deeper uh, history search, uh, multi-threaded API access, spreadsheet integrations, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, So on top of that, you can also uh, pipe its formatted output to all kinds of other CLI tools. So uh, they claim that uh, its possible use cases are virtually limitless. So on the website, uh, there'll be a link in the show notes. There's a little tutorial uh, that explains how to install uh, your Twitter client from the command line if you're uh, so interested. I won't go into all the gory details. But uh, basically, uh, uh, either uh, Debian, Ubuntu, or Mint, uh, you have one command line command and uh, also uh, sent to us Fedora and rel uh, and you know it's the uh, typical uh, string sudo app get install uh, ruby dev uh, and then you go uh, string sudo gem install t and then after that you got to go through the various steps uh, create your Twitter application uh, you got to uh, create it you got to uh, get into your uh, apps and check your settings uh, yada yada so uh, anyhow the uh, tutorial is uh, quite complete it's not that long either I was going to give it a try uh, but I uh, kind of got sidetracked, uh, so my uh, my daughter decided to give uh, give us a little private uh, uh, recorder concert because she's playing in the Christmas concert at her school. But I digress. Anyhow, so if you're interested, all you command line junkies, I uh, want to get onto Twitter uh, now. You can do it too, so uh, check it out. It'll be in the show notes.
0: All right, and as it happens, after I got this little bit of information, I went through all of the steps and tried it out. Uh, ah, excellent! I, I should have. You should have told me that. And then we
2: could have looked more professional. Said, and we tried it. And here's the <laughs> review. Take it away, Russ.
0: Well, as it happens, you have to go through all of the developer crap because in order to get access, in order for the T client to get access to your Twitter account, you have to basically allow it as a developer tool you, you have to have it as as if you're running your own application like you created t yourself so you have to go into the twitter development tools authorize you know the application t for your particular uh, machine that you it's not for your machine but you, ha- you have to authorize it so that you can use it so that when you actually run the t commands it knows which um, user accounts and everything that on twitter that it's supposed to be looking at but once you go through all of those hoops and get it to work, it's actually very intuitive. Um you just do a T by itself um or a T help uh, and it gives you a help screen of all the things you can do and it's pretty it's pretty cool because you get a lot of functionality and stuff that you can do on Twitter like through the web interface, but it's really hard to do like searching and lists and stuff like that are not terribly intuitive, but You can do searches, find lists, um, scan users, and you can also create a live feed of your Twitter feed in a terminal, which is what I'm doing right now. I actually have a G-Term window open. Um, I ran T-Stream with um, the option for getting my personal Twitter stream, and it's scrolling away right now. I'm looking at all the people tweeting out there. Uh, next to my IRC window, which is really cool. Plus, what's interesting is this is all text-based output, so that if you have another application or another script that can read this data and parse it in some way, you can just pipe the output of the t command or the the t application into that and have it do nifty, neato things. Which I'm going to explore further because I have a couple of ideas about what could be done with this, but. Uh, And like sending an update is as simple as typing T space status space and then your status and then it updates Twitter and everybody gets to see, you know, what it is you you've just tweeted about. So uh, it's very cool. It's very intuitive. Um, I've actually used a similar type text based Twitter thing to integrate Twitter with my IRC account so I can actually see tweets in IRC, which is way more complicated than than this. But I love being able to access Twitter in some other way than the web because the web interface, while moderately useful, is kind of a pain in the ass. I love this. It, it wasn't too hard to install. And just having this, you know, the tweets scroll by on my screen as I'm sitting here podcasting is is kind of cool. I like it a lot. And I think this would work out well for you, Jonathan. If I don't know if you're even on Twitter, but, uh, you know, having a, having a raw interface to it like this would probably be great for screen reader.
3: Yeah, I ran, ran, there was another one I was running for a little while and I can't, it's like T-W-E-R-T-T-E-R or something like that. It was kind of Twitter spelt really weird. I was using that one for a while, but my new favorite, I used to use Pigeon, but that didn't work anymore once Twitter changed its API recently and the the Pigeon plugin wasn't updated. So that doesn't work anymore. But I found a new favorite Twitter app called CoreBird. Uh, unfortunately it only runs on Arch Linux right now. It's a very, very new program. It's like, they almost say they don't recommend using it, but it's very usable. It, it's accessible. Uh, I actually, uh, emailed the guys on their k- GitHub account and said, Hey, can you fix a couple of these things? I'm a blind user. And so, you know, these keyboard commands don't work. And he was like, Oh yeah, you know what? I never thought of that. Thanks for reminding me. He, like, went ahead and did it, emailed me back in, like, I don't know, an hour, and said, all right, you know, update the app. You should be all set. I updated it, and boom, it worked. I was like, that's awesome. (laughs) So I've been using uh, CoreBird.
0: All right, cool. Uh, Another application I haven't heard of. But then, you know, since you have a a unique perspective, or not a unique perspective, but a a differing perspective than most of the rest of us, you find out about all these cool things that we don't know about. Well, I love the silence. (laughs) That's my favorite part of the show. (laughs) (laughs) So are we done with that? I believe so.
2: <laughs> I have nothing to add.
0: All right, well, let me give you my uh, my free nickel tour of Fedora 20, which I just found out about today. I think uh, I said something about Fedora 18. I think it was Fedora 18 when that came out, or maybe it was Fedora 19. I briefly talked about it on the show and basically said it was the worst piece of junk ever and that I tried to install it like 15 different times in 15 different ways and could not get it to install once. Uh, in any of those ways, I, I can't remember if it was 18 or 19. I think it was 19. But as it happens in the way that Star Trek movies, the odd ones suck and the even ones are good. That is kind of what happened with Fedora 20. I, I downloaded this earlier. It has a live install uh, DVD uh, downloaded it as, as an ISO and booted it up into a virtual box virtual machine. And I have to say, the installer for Fedora 20 has got to be the best installer I have ever seen for any Linux distribution.
3: Hmm, that's, that's quite the turnaround, because everyone said 19 was the worst <laughs> installer.
0: <laughs> um, I, I don't know what they... Maybe they, were, maybe they were making 19 so incredibly bad, so 20 would look so incredibly good. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> that's possible. <laughs> <laughs> but, but even if 19 hadn't sucked, if I had never used 19 before... Twenty is just amazing. Like it, it blows away the Debian install. Now I will say that it's graphical. So it's probably from, from an accessibility perspective, it's probably terrible.
3: Uh no, thankfully nineteen is actually the was the first installer that they actually made it accessible. I have not tried twenty yet. Um I just found out about it today also. So I will be trying it out. But I've I've heard through other blind users though that it's it's even better than nineteen for accessibility. So I'm looking forward to that.
0: Oh that that's amazing then because for a sighted user the installer is freaking amazing. I mean I mean I would install Fedora now just to use it just for the installer because I have never seen anything that is simpler and more intuitive. Ubuntu you need to like Ubuntu used to be like the sort of Cadillac of you know, installers. installers, yeah. Well, now they can take a page from Fedora's book because it is truly amazing. I mean, it does everything in the background. The The idea, uh, a few Linux distributions in the recent past have come out with the idea of being able to interact with the installer while the installer is actually going on. They actually realize that computers can multitask at this point, you know, how many decades afterwards. A lot of the stuff goes on in the background while you're doing things like setting up user accounts and stuff like that. Well, Fedora has made this so seamless. It's unreal. It's basically, you know, you boot the thing up. You say, I want to install it. It's four clicks and done. Wow. It's and it looks good to boot. I mean I have to give huge kudos to Fedora the Fedora project for for this latest release. I mean and once it you know once it boots up it's a it's a GNOME shell, you know GNOME 3 environment um and it worked flawlessly for me inside virtual machine and I can only imagine how well it would work under you know on, on bare metal. Um, yeah, GNOME,
3: GNOME 3.10 is really the best GNOME release yet and 3.12 is looking even better. I've been running 3 GNOME 3.10 on uh, Arch here. And I used to be probably the biggest GNOME hater when it first came out. You know, it was, it was accessible-ish, but they really broke a lot of accessibility. I wasn't happy with the performance. I thought it was unnecessary. But 3.10 has come a long ways, and I now am a huge fan of uh, the shell.
0: Yeah, and originally I kind of got away from Fedora because it was, they used KDE. I'm not sure when they switched back to GNOME, but I remember Fedora being very KDE-centric for a while, for a long while and of course i haven't touched it in a while cuz i've been more more on the debian side of things but i am going to install fedora 20 on something because i like it a lot and uh, i i mean i didn't get a chance to play around with the apps and stuff like that but it looked like you know the base set of applications that it was installed was was a good set intuitive not huge um not not like overbearing it just just sort of a nice selection of the things you you would want to have and the GNOME 3 interface was very nice, uh, very slick-looking. Uh, they, they didn't touch it a lot. I don't get excited about software that much because I've been doing this way too long. But just to, to see that something different has come around and to be as good as it actually is... Uh, is exciting and it's weird because I like want to go install it again just so I can see the installer again. It was so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna try this. So it's
2: you're saying that it's a, a noob could put this in? Absolutely, could install this? Yeah, absolutely. It's it's the easy, image it's, is really small. It's only it's smaller than a gig for the 64-bit image. It's pretty impressive. Yeah. No, the whole yeah, thing. They really, is Yeah,
3: they really don't load it up with a lot of stuff. I'm on the
0: website right now. Yeah, check it out. Back when we used to say that Fedora was more of a, you know, a power user distribution, not anymore. I'd recommend, you know, if Fedora 20 is as easy as it actually felt to me today, I would, I would recommend that anyone use it. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing.
2: I'm gonna give it a shot this week. I haven't uh, forayed into Fedora yet, so
0: I'm probably gonna look at it more, and maybe we can do a little more of an in-depth look at it in a future episode um because really once i got it into gnome shell interface it was it was basically the same as all the distributions that i've ever used that use gnome shell so I I didn't poke and prod in it to see how different it was. Just as from the you know power it up and get it installed perspective, it's uh, outstanding. And uh, right. it looks like from an accessibility perspective, it's outstanding as well. So double pl- double thumbs up, or triple well qu- six thumbs up, I guess. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I haven't installed it yet,
2: so I'm not sure if my thumbs are up. But
0: I bet I'm they will be. Give it a shot. I'm willing to bet they will be.
2: Yeah, no, for sure. I'm going to have to. Uh, i have to flush Hamos though. I'll throw it on the uh, on the forty three and see how it does. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with that, we finally made it through the first segment.
2: <laughs> Not bad.
0: I know. I had it scheduled for 15 minutes. It took 43. <laughs> well, <laughs> you can all, all take me for that one. <laughs> I know, it's a group community
2: effort. That's right.
0: All right. So with that, we're going to play some music. And this first one is a song that Pete came up with um, several weeks ago, and it's finally come around to where I'm going to play it. So uh, I'll let you go ahead and introduce Pete
2: that was only two weeks ago that I had submitted and resubmitted. Uh, this is a group out of uh, Athens, Greece uh, called Tencode. Uh, the album is called The Connection and that's the title track called The Connection. runs uh, 348. It's got a little bit of a grunge feel to it. It's got a lot of a grunge feel to it, I must admit. I'm a bit of a fan of uh, old school grunge and this uh, sounds uh, pretty much like it. So released uh, this past September uh, 2013. I uh, hope you enjoy The Connection by Tencode.
4: Always saw your suspicion, got my head in a trap Measuring my condition, do I still have a chance? mission I don't want to deny. always only sacred of to me I sing loud
0: to put my hair out all right <laughs> yeah pretty good scorcher very grungy that
2: little ditty to wake you up there before the next section
0: <laughs> that's right and we all want to be awake for this so this next segment is why jonathan is here because he's going to talk all about the accessible computing foundation and his new project to make a certain screen reader an open source screen reader the best that it can be so do we need to ask you questions or are you just going to launch in and go for it Oh well, I guess
3: before I launch into that, I do want because you guys were wondering what I was doing with the BeagleBone Black, so I, if I could give you a real oh yeah quick up, update on yeah, that. Yeah, sure, sure, I'd love to hear about um, that. So first of all, the BeagleBone Black is a far superior over the Raspberry Pi. So if anyone is looking at buying, you know, either one of the two, and you're not sure which one you want, spend the extra ten dollars, get the BeagleBone Black. Way way better. Um, the Ethernet port uh, is not connected to the USB hub uh, on the Raspberry Pi. It is. So, the Ethernet connection is slower. Um, the BeagleBone, I believe, is a few, like 300 megahertz faster, uh, has the same amount of RAM. It's just overall a better performing board. Uh, you can install Ubuntu on the BeagleBone Black if you want, Android, Arch Linux, uh, I think OpenSUSE has something, and there might be one or two others that I'm, I'm forgetting. The plan that I want to do with the BeagleBone Black, which is a little pushed back off to the side right now, but um, I one of my board members uh, on the ACF, uh, has just helped someone start a school for the blind in Nepal. And in Nepal, uh, there's 200,000 uh, blind people that live there, and really none of them have any technology at all whatsoever. They're, they're still in Nepal literally printing braille books uh, on the fly to to help out blind people in school. So there's like zero technology there. So what I want to do is build basically like a sonar image for the beagle bone, and find a way to get a bunch of them over there and build beaglebone labs, or you know, the blind individuals can carry them back and forth between their house and school, and have ways to hook them up. That way, they have access to a computer, be able to get online, be able to study, be able to write, you know, papers, be able to read electronic documents, and it will put them in a uh, way better position than they're in right now. Because if uh, vision impaired people in Nepal don't, you know, graduate high school, which a lot of them unfortunately don't, and the majority of them do not go on to college. Uh, there 's no infrastructure there to help them out financially, so they then become uh i don 't want to say a burden, but you know then their family has to take care of them or they have to like you know beg on the street or something and there 's really no good opportunities for blind people there so i 'm hoping a lab of Beagle bone blacks at schools like the school of Nepal or uh this blind school and there 's like five offices with the Nepal Association for the blind so if we can you know put a bunch of Beagle bones in there. For people to use, and uh, I'm still ironing out a lot of the details, but that's the vision I have with the uh, Beagle Bone.
2: That's pretty cool. I I used to work for a place uh, in Alberta called the BAM Center for the Arts that had a division called Mountain Culture. And mountain Culture did exactly what it was called. It, it it promoted the the fact that you know there's mountain cultures all around the world, and of course Nepal uh, being a mountain culture was was very uh, uh, present in a lot of the discussions and presentations and, and et cetera et cetera. So that's cool. That's a that's a very that's a, an excellent project. Very valid indeed. Very much couldn't so. Have, couldn't have gone to a, a better uh, recipient, I think.
3: Thank you very much. I was I was so excited when uh, when I won. So I knew <laughs> no exactly way. what I was going to do with it before I won it. I was like, man, if I win it, I'm, I'm, this is totally what I'm going to do. Ah, uh, there you go. Karma uh, came to you. So now what I'm doing is I'm launched. I've launched an Indiegogo campaign. Um, if you want the short URL for it is igg.me/slash, and then you spell out at. You don't use the at sign. So it's slash at. Slash Orca, so it's igg.me/slash/at/slash/orca. And what you'll find here is there's 360 million vision impaired people in the world. Ninety percent of these vision impaired people live in developing countries. Eighty percent of vision impaired people in the United States are unemployed. So there is screen reading software that's proprietary and is sold for an obnoxious amount of money. It's it can go from anywhere from a thousand to fifteen hundred dollars. Now, with this software being that expensive, this means the majority of the vision-impaired people throughout the world don't even have an opportunity of getting the software. Um, there are entities and nonprofits and NGOs that will you know, pay for this software for blind people to use, but there's only so much money, it only goes so far, and there's a small amount of those people that actually get access to a computer. So what I want to do with Indiegogo Campaign... There is a free software screen reader called Orca, which is what I use. And Orca can be installed on any GNU Linux distro. It uh, runs the best in uh, the GNOME desktop right now. Orca works. It's comparable to the proprietary software right now. I strictly use Orca. I graduated college using Orca. Uh, I I don't ever boot into any other operating system other than GNU Linux. So it does work. But the problem is, is there's sort of like all these nagging bugs that, you know, it's kind of like a, what's that saying? Like death by a thousand paper cuts or whatever. There's all these little things that are kind of issues that people overlook and you just learn how to deal with it and you can still get on with life and get what you want to get done. Well, in order for my, I, I want mass adoption of Orca and free software for not just for vision impaired people, but I'm trying to focus specifically on this and I'll get to that, uh, that reason why. Um, but really what I, for mass adoption, Orca needs to be 10 times better than any other screen reading software, and I spoke with a um, investor in Boston a few months ago. He was very interested in this, and he suggested I start the Gogo campaign. And he's going to be coming in on the campaign uh, sooner than later. I have to fix some email issues, which is really annoying, but that's a whole other story. So, anyways, so when I was talking to him, and I was telling about all the stuff I'm working on with with Sonar GNU Linux and all the assistive technology. He, he was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. He's like, S- slow down, slow down, take a breath. He's like, you're doing way too much. He's like, you're just spreading yourself thin. Nothing's ever going to get any better. You're just going to kind of keep trudging along. He's like, you need to take this screen reader, and you need to make this thing ten times better than anything else. He's like, that's the only way you'll ever get, like, mass adoption with something like this. You need to make it far better than everything else available, and people will come running to it. Because, you know... it. it And, you know, using free software as opposed to proprietary software, this can be, you know, the difference between someone being able to use a computer or not. Like, there's plenty of people, you know, the 90% developing countries where their country's not shelling out $1,000, $1,500 for, you know, vision-impaired people to use a computer. So, making Orca 10 times better, I want to get this into the hands of, you know, the 360 million people, and who knows what will happen when these people finally have access to a computer – who knows who's going to write the next great novel or the next great play or the next great movie? Who knows who's going to develop the next great web application, operating system, program? There's so much potential locked up in these people that we, don't, we aren't even aware of. So I want to make Orca 10 times better and give them access to a computer maybe once for in their life. Maybe a lot of these people have never even been able to use a computer
2: because they don't have the software that allows them to use it. I have to agree with you though on accessibility, everything being so expensive and i I work in a in a rehabilitation hospital in a in a pediatric rehab center mm. and I know what families go through and how they're stretched to the bone with with their time and their resources and and their money yeah. and and paying a thousand bucks for software is is really totally unaccessible for the majority of people I agree with you, so if you can make it anywhere, any, any more accessible. And on top of that, improve it. I mean, that's the golden formula right there. I like yeah. they say, it so, will come running to it for sure.
3: So we're looking to raise a hundred thousand dollars. And basically what this would do right now, currently there's one developer working on Orca, just one, you know, the proprietary companies have a team of people. So there's one person working on Orca and she's getting paid to do it by a company. But the caveat to that is she could only do what the company seems important to them for her to do, which is fine and understandable. So this $100,000, we'd be able to hire two full-time developers and triple the amount of people working on Orca and get triple the amount of commits going and start you know, grinding away at these 1,000 paper cuts. And then we could start to really innovate on the screen reader and bring it to the whole next level. So that's you know the vision with the $100,000 to really give it that push to really get it going And, um, you know, like I said, every every GNU Linux distro will benefit from this work. I'm not, you know, we're not trying to hang on to it just to make Sonar better or whatever. Everyone will benefit from all this work. My main focus is making Orca better. So that way, uh, like I said, the 360 million people will have access to a computer uh, maybe once we're in their life. So that's that's the big push with the Indiegogo campaign. This is only like the second day, third day. So we we still have until... Yeah, I think it ends January 13th, or no, it might be January 16th or 17th, actually.
2: Yeah, it says uh, I'm on the website right now. It's 29 days left to contribute. If you've only been doing this for two days, it's already uh, almost $600 in donations, so you're doing doing very yeah, well. Yeah, it's
3: going really well, yeah.
2: I'm going to donate to this, Jonathan. I uh, I pledge to you right now. Ah, oh, thank you, sir. I'm not, not going to do that right now <laughs> I'll probably crash my computer, but I'm... I'm uh, <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, I I haven't become a member of the Black Sparrow Media family yet. So I'm going to give that twenty dollars to you instead.
0: Oh, thanks a lot, Jonathan. <laughs> oh, so
2: sorry, Russ. <laughs> I, now I'm
3: now I'm magically going to disappear.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to get fired. But at least I will have supported your project, so it's all good.
0: All right. So, so, uh, so you mentioned the Sonar project. Are you? Are, are you? You say you're going to focus on. You know Orca based on the Indiegogo campaign. So are you going to put Sonar aside for now, or still work on that, or what?
3: Oh no, Sonar is still full steam ahead. We uh, we just put out a new release uh, based off of Ubuntu thirteen ten. I mean that's going really well. Um, Like I said, to to really start pushing this to the next level, you know we're going to make Orca as best as we can. You know with this Indiegogo campaign, and hopefully uh, you know when the, the money runs out, paying the developers, hopefully something else will come up where we can continue to you know keep them hired basically and then once orca is really at that higher level then we can start focusing on the other assistive technology and making that even better cuz my main goal is is for sonar GNU linux to be used by everyone that has any type of disability sonar has software in it for uh blind people for low vision people for people that have low motor skills where they might have uh, only control of one good hand and the other hand doesn't work that well, or maybe both hands don't work that well. Um, there's a font included for people with dyslexia. There's software on there where you can control the cursor of the mouse just by moving your eye or head. So all of these things we want to improve on also, but Orca is the, the first thing we're just going to be laser-focused on and really uh, get it to the next level. But you know the the 10-year goal is for sonar to be used by everyone that has any type of disability. There should be no reason... You know, this day and age, why no matter what type of physical hurdle you might have, that we can't, you know, these people can't use a, a computer that's been around since the 1970s. Like, there's there's no excuse for it. And so that's Sonar's goal, is to bring access to everyone. Because really in the world, there's up to a billion people in the world with some type of disability. So, again, why I'm focusing on Orca, because the 360 million is a good chunk of that one billion. So... Um, that's again, also why we're focusing on orca. But like I said, the end goal is for sonar to be used by everyone that has, you know, any type of disability and and even down the road, sonar will even be able to, you know, create jobs for people like, you know, people in Bangladesh or somewhere in India or somewhere in South Africa, you know, these blind people or vision impaired people or whatever disabilities they might have. They could start their own support groups for sonar within their town, their region You know their continent, whatever, uh, they could become developers, they could start uh, making Orca better themselves, making the screen magnification better themselves, they could get paid for it. Really, the sky would be the limit once we can, you know, the first hurdle is getting access for everyone. But once that happens, then really, the sky's the limit, it can create jobs, it can, you know, we'll we'll encourage entrepreneurship for uh, everyone to, you know, just find a way to start filling a niche. And, uh, and we'll all serve one another within the uh, disabled community will all be in control of this because it 's free software, and free software is what gives the opportunity for this to actually happen we you know the people that depend on the software will actually be in control of the software and be able to decide how well it you know i mean obviously you want it to work as well as you want, but they be able to decide what gets added what doesn 't get added they 'll know what features are needed they 'll know what things should get pushed back and what things should get pushed forward we 'll be in complete control of our computing and have complete access to our computers
2: cool no that's um, again uh, because of where i work i can totally see that we have a whole division of people who who work on trying to find different softwares and apps to put on various platforms and it's the same thing the governments have no money and and certainly when it comes to to rehab because uh, rehabilitation it, it's not like it doesn't have the punch that you know the breast cancer does so they don't get the, right. the same funding that they do as, as i'm sure you know right oh yeah so it, it's hard for them to come up with with the funding because everything is, is is high tech right now and because we work in a pediatric hospital everybody you know all the kids today have have smartphones and 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 tablets and and iPads and things of that nature. And the people who need accessibility, they can't have access to the software, as we were saying. So I I can completely see a whole bunch of people uh, at, at our hospital, uh, just just falling in love with this. If, if I have your permission, I'm definitely going to point them in, in your direction, or at least on oh, the please. website to see if they can if they can use any of this uh, now or, or in the future, or or help out in any way. We don't have any software developers. Our our people are the people who implement the apps. But I mean, I'm I'm just I'm, my mind's racing a thousand thousand miles an hour right now. I think this is so cool.
3: Well, that that's the thing. I mean, bringing awareness is, you know, o- almost as important, maybe if not more important than development, because a lot of people don't realize that this is a, you know, it's legitimate. It's, you know, you can actually use free software. It's not, you know, it's, it's not a toy. It, you can really get things accomplished using it.
2: Absolutely. No, I think that's very cool. What
0: do you have to say, Russ? Well, I think that's entirely true. And, uh... I was going to tie that back to a comment I heard on another podcast about the future direction of open source software, but, you know, it's too pessimistic, so forget that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I think the guy was on crack anyway, but <laughs> I don't, don't want to promote podcasts where the people are on crack when they're talking.
3: Yeah, exactly. You. Say no to drugs, kids. That's right.
0: <laughs> no, but this is very cool. I mean, uh, we have we here at Linux in the Hamshack have been uh, enthusiastic about all of your projects as they've come along because… We, we can always tie them back to ham radio in particular because since it's an audio medium, it's available to people with disabilities, including, you know, the blind population. Yeah. So we always like to talk about ways to improve accessible computing here because a lot of digital mode communication and ham radio software happens using computers. And of course, in order, you know, it's easy enough to, you know, to tune the dials and to hear what you need to hear uh, as a person who hasn't is not sighted, but you have to have the corresponding ability with the computer technology in order to be able to do the decoding and whatnot. And I think it's always useful when we hear about projects that are advancing the state of the art in accessible computing and i'm not aware of any other foundations or even groups of people or even single people other than you who are really focused in this area i'm sure they're out there but no one it seems is more dedicated and more vocal about these issues than you seem to be so i love getting getting your perspective on things and to hear all the things you're doing
3: yeah, I, I don't I don't I've been thinking about this for a while too. I don't know if this is you know true or not, but coming from, uh, you know, like like I said, at the age of fourteen, I got in a car accident. But before then, you know, I was totally fine. I never broke a bone in my life, nothing. I got in a car accident and I lost my sight. I had the worst head trauma, uh, UMass Hospital has ever seen. I was, I pretty much mangled everything from my neck above and nothing from my neck down. And so, I wasn't born. With a disability or, or born with any kind of difficulties and I've seen some blind people and other people with difficulties that were born that way and it, this is you know my opinion if anyone has you know a family member that's you know has a physical hurdle or whatever i'm uh, this is a very broad brush or whatever, but this is just my what I've noticed throughout the years I feel like people that are born with a disability or a physical hurdle are kind of uh prodded not, i don't want to say prodded it's not the right word but kind of coddled along and just said, well, you know, here's, here's this little handout Be be happy with this or, you know, well, we can't do that for you, but we can do this for you.
2: And you're almost trained to like settle. And I have to agree with you. I see it all the time from the other side. I, I see it happen. Yeah. And so me, I wasn't born
3: that way. And, you know, so I had 14 years of not settling and I think that's why I'm so vocal. I'm like, it, it doesn't have to be this way. It shouldn't be this way. Things can be done, and I, this is my total passion. I'll do whatever I have to do to get this done. This is not impossible. It it may take a long time, but this is not impossible. And like I said, there's no reason this day and age why everyone with any type of disability shouldn't be able to use a computer. It's just no one thinks that the population is worth it or there's not enough of us. But when I mention there's 360 million vision impaired people in the world, everyone is blown away by that. They're like, "Wow, really?" And I'm like, "Yes." And you know, no one realizes there's a billion people with some type of disability. You know, that's one sixth, one seventh of the population. It's nothing to scoff at. But people or companies or whatever just deem it not worth their time. It, they can't make enough money doing it or whatever. And so they just, you know, they'll do their good deed and throw, you know, the disabled community a bone. And just kind of like, hey, you know, we we did our job, you know, we we did this or whatever. But it's it's never good enough. It's just good enough to say they did something.
2: Yeah, that's usually the case, isn't it? <laughs> just a little yeah. kid Yeah,
3: yeah. And so that and that, that's really my goal. Like with Sonar with Orca, like I said, there's no reason why using free software, everyone with any type of disability, sh- you know, won't be they'll, they'll be able to use a computer if they install Sonar. It'll meet all of their needs. And then once Sonar starts to gain traction. You know, hopefully more and more developers will want to, you know, innovate on top of Sonar and, and do things no one's ever thought of. Maybe there'll be, you know, science labs that are doing particular studies on people with, you know, brain trauma to, like, even figure out how to control a computer using, uh, you know, different things attached to their body or whatever. I mean, I I really think Sonar has a, a great future. And like I said, this could be 10, 15 years out, but I'm, I'm in this for the long run.
2: Maybe not even that far because I see them... Um, I... We have a lot of, of um, a lot, a certain number of, of people who come in who are basically, um, they, they can't move from the neck down. So they adapt their wheelchairs with these micro switches yeah. and just with yep. small mo- I mean, you've seen this, right? With small yeah. movements yep. of the head, yep. you, you can control exactly where they're going. And they, and they drive better than I drive my car once they get the hang of it. <laughs> yeah, I exactly. You can totally see that, uh, you know, for, for various, I mean, it's the same thing as moving a mouse, really. So why couldn't they do that? And, and probably not even that far away.
3: Yeah, and, and I think too, you know, again, this is a broad generalization or whatever, but I think a lot of people write off people with disabilities, they, they discount them thinking like, oh, well, you know, he's blind. I mean, what can he actually do? You know, like, y- you can't do that if you can't be, you know, I've had people like when I first, you know, lost my sight, literally, they'd be like, well, how do you get dressed? I'm like, how
4: do you get dressed? I'm like, you, you know,
3: like, really? <laughs> you know, it's not, like, but there's people out there that are just like, oh, you know, well, what can you do? You can't see. You know, like, how do you, you know, how do you go to the bathroom? It's like, come on, people. Like, just because I can't see doesn't mean I'm, you know, an invalid or whatever. I mean, there's a ton of blind guys that I know that are ridiculously smart. And, like, even way smarter than people I know that I can see.
2: So it's and, and, like and all of them are going to the bathroom.
3: Yeah, and it, it's <laughs> like don't discount people just because they have a disability. Uh, there was a guy, a gentleman I knew that was a quadriplegic, the smartest accountant you'll ever meet in your life. And you know, there's there's tons of amazing things that people can do. They just need access to a computer to enable them to accomplish something.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm if we haven't lost too much focus, we should probably go back to the original thing. And I know sure. <laughs> <laughs> no. it's, all,
2: it's all intermingled.
0: No, no, I'm not speaking to you all. I'm speaking to the listeners right now. I just want to bring it back to the fact that if you are able to, I know we're in the middle of the holiday season and this is going to come out right around Christmas time. So it's, you know, things, things are tough all over. I know, but, I think this is more than a worthy project. The, the introduction video that you put up there, Jonathan, that that sort of outlines what you're planning to do is outstanding. You know, in two and a half minutes really um, packs a punch as far as telling everyone what, what you're planning on doing and how it will help people both here in the United States and abroad. Uh, You you reference um, Nepal many times, but I mean, it's, it's more global than that. It's, it speaks to everyone with a disability. So I definitely would encourage our, you know, we have somewhere between one and 2000 listeners to this show. You know, if every one of those people could spare even five or $10 to this, that'd be a huge difference. Yeah, I know. That would be an amazing step towards your goal. Um, and I know you're going to be promoting this all over the place. And I, and I really hope that everyone can, can give a little something, you know, if they're able to. And, uh, the URL for this is igg.me slash at slash orca. I encourage everyone who listens to this show to give a couple of bucks if you can. You know, there are lots of projects in the world that are, that are worthwhile, but, um, this is one that's close to us and important to me, you know, uh, being with someone for a long time who's had disabilities and challenges in his life. And, you know, I know it's, like you said, one in one in seven people has some sort of physical, mental, emotional challenge, whatever. Yeah, uh, I hope everyone can can help do something about that. So
3: yeah, and, and also one last thing, if if you you know if you can't uh, pledge, I totally understand. And sometimes what's even worth more than pledging is uh, use your social networks, Google Plus, Facebook, Twitter. If you can go to that link. There's uh, a bunch of uh, uh, like uh, social networking buttons, like the Google Plus, Facebook. You can like it and tweet. The more that those get plus one and tweeted and liked by Facebook, there's a better chance they'll put the campaign on the front page at some point, and it would get more tra- even more traffic if it's on the front page. So even that could possibly be worth more than you know, even pledging to the campaign. So that would make a huge difference. Google Plus is totally inaccessible to me. It's not useful at all for me. If you can just let everyone know about it on Google+, Plus or like, you know, plus, I don't know what you call it, like, mention particular people in the tech community and bring it to their attention, like, you know, like a Leo Laporte or whoever that you can think of that might have some clout to bring more attention to it, start digging them on Google+, plus and Twitter, and, and Facebook, or whatever. Like I said, that that's just as important, so that would help out in a huge way because I am not really able to do any of that, so that would be a lot of heavy lifting for me.
0: I know it's already been put out there by the Google Plus. I've shared it uh lots of people in the podcast, you know, in our particular podcast sphere have have googled it if uh that's a thing. <laughs> um I posted it in the Linux community over on Google Plus and that has something like 80,000 participants. I don't know oh, if great. that's I don't know if that's going to actually stay there. That's probably the kind of thing they're going to look at and go, "Oh, and delete it or something like that." Yeah. But, you know.
2: Well, at least it's there, so yeah. right? <laughs> right for yeah,
0: yeah. for some amount of time. Right, yeah, so I'm
2: going to do the same. The, the links will be in the uh, show notes, of course, and I'm going to do the same. I apologize, Jonathan. Your uh, your email that you sent a little while ago actually ended up in my junk box, and I only I only found it today. So uh, I, oh. I did get a chance to watch the uh, video. I, I'm wondering how uh, how did you get Stephen Hawking's to do the voice of the computer? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you guys watch the YouTube video; you'll know that it's it's just a generic uh, computer voice. But yeah, kind of.
3: And actually speaking. And actually, speaking of that, when I did do the Sonar campaign, Indiegogo, I was able to get a better voice on there, which was one of the goals for Orca. That video was made before I got the the newer voices. Oh, okay. So that's why they're not on there. But I do have much better sounding voices now for Orca. Oh, good.
0: (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean... Audible audibility is uh, something that you really need if you're using the screen reader.
2: Oh, <laughs> yeah, it was audible. It was audible. It's just very mechanical, as all you know. Yeah. Right. Well,
3: I mean, that was that was one of the hurdles that we overcome because a lot of new users are going to be like, you know, what is this 1984? Like, you know, because on the proprietary operating systems, the voices are much realer sounding. And so, if you're like, oh, use free software, use Orca. They're, you know, it's it's like, you know, give, so, showing someone the new Fedora 20 desktop, like that, they are used to that. And then give them Windows 95 and be like, oh, man, this is so much better. You should use this. And they'd be like, what? This thing's ugly. What are you talking about? I'm not going to use it. And so it's the same thing with the voices. A lot of blind users were kind of put off by the voice. So one of the hurdles was to get better sounding voices, which we accomplished. So that's, uh, that's one hurdle uh,
2: down. Not very good. So do you actually get real people or you just, you just get better programmers?
3: Actually, yes, you are. Because what, what I wanted to do is tie in. Uh, it's called Mary TTS, and it's free software uh, voice synthesizers. So literally you can get, you know, real people talking into a microphone recording. I want to say, I don't, we haven't figured this out yet. Like how to make it the best way to do it. But, um, if you record roughly like a thousand sentences, you could create a new voice and it can just piece together all of the different consonants and vowels and prefixes and suffixes.
2: And it sounds real. Yeah, very good. Yeah, I, I would imagine that there's a certain amount of uh, sentences or words or sounds that you just have to throw in, and the rest, it could just kind of figure it out with you know various algorithms. Exactly. Uh, very good. I'm, uh, I, I I don't know very much about voice synthesization, so that's why I was asking the question. Synthesis. Voice it's synthesis. a lot easier to say, yeah. <laughs> voice synthesis. I don't know synthesis. Uh, it's a, yeah. <laughs> a Canadian word. <laughs>
0: Well, thank you, Jonathan, for that. Are you going to hang out for the last segment? Oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, good deal. The next bit of music was actually a suggestion from a listener. So before we get to the music, I should probably have it introduced by the person who introduced it. Uh,
4: my name's Richard, and I have a song suggestion for uh, Linux in the Shack. Um It is a song very appropriate for amateur radio. The song is uh, Satellite. It's licensed under Creative Commons, uh, so it is by a band called DRIVE, and they are from Germany, of course. And I believe, uh, perhaps, Stuttgart? I'm not sure. Uh, but anyway, it would be very appropriate for a, a hamshack show. Uh, seven, no, seven, three.
0: <laughs> 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 I wish I knew who that was. <laughs> Oh,
2: he didn't identify himself. I nope. like how he says uh, the the band is called Sushi Drive In, and they're from Germany, of course, because you know <laughs> everybody knows that's where sushi originated. Well, absolutely. <laughs> that's good. And the seventy three was good. Uh, mystery caller, uh, no worries there.
0: For half of that, I keep thinking it was Rich doing it, but I don't think he could say the German numbers that well. So, <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Uh, so anyway, um we have the song that he requested. I took a listen to it, and it sounds pretty good. So we're going to listen to that. It's uh, called Satellite by Sushi Drive-In, as it was pointed out, a German band. We got this courtesy of Jamendo, and here it is. Yes. Another one to set your hair on fire, and there's been much discussion in the chat room about whether or not that caller was Richard, and I think the consensus is that it was. <laughs> there's some clues in there for, you know, for one, the fact that he did not identify himself. The first half of the call, the German accent sounds very fake. Three, the part at the end there where he does say 7-3 in German, it does sound pretty real, but, you know, you could, I suppose you could learn the proper inflection of two characters pretty easily.
3: Yeah, where'd the number come from? Didn't you see the phone number?
0: No, no. He, he said 7-3. Oh. He, he, he started to say 7-3, which is a ham sign off, and then kind of corrected himself and said, oh, no, I meant... Well, uh, no, but
3: I mean through Google Voice. Doesn't it show you the number that called?
0: No, it didn't come through Google Voice. It came oh, okay. through my asterisk machine and it just came uh-uh. in as a cell phone. So, uh, <laughs> I do not have a caller ID on that call, so he's... he's keeping himself under the radar so if you are an authentic german person sorry about that but we think we yeah <laughs> i was just gonna say you, you either, you're
3: either, dead, you're either hit the nail in the head or you just uh very insulted somebody
0: <laughs> yeah i think i think we're fairly safe in saying that was richard but um you know if we're wrong i i do apologize sincerely if but, we're
2: wrong then uh give us another shout and let us know who you were and we'll give you the uh the right credentials the right credits sorry
0: yeah I think a, I think a, a person who called in with that suggestion, who really you know was a German person, would have said, you know, this is you know.
2: This is an actual German person yeah. calling. This is Jay Lindsay in the chat room so That's somewhere what- <laughs> in Germany a man sits in tears as Americans make fun of his accent. And I, I so have this vision of, of this South Park episode where they're playing baseball and they're making fun of the Japanese people. Actually, no, it's they're they're in, in they're in Japan playing baseball and the Japanese are making fun of the Americans. It's kind of the other way around. Anyways.
0: I, th- I, I think it would have been I funnier be. if uh, Richard actually had started off by saying I, this is Richard. I am authentic German person. <laughs> <laughs> Next time. Next time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your papers.
2: <laughs> very good. Uh, <laughs> we need order. Is it uh, fabulous? says that? We need order. That was a good little ditty. Uh, that was very uh, reminiscent of uh, you know bands like Simple Plan or Blink One Eighty Two. Uh, I was like, I rather like that.
3: You know, I was thinking, it's amazing the sound quality bands can get these days. I mean, that you know, twenty years ago, you would had to go to a studio to get that done. I mean, they probably did that in their basement or whatever.
2: Yeah, actually, i I know some uh, I know some really young kids who do that, who who do just amazing stuff just out of their basement. You just got a, a decent sound card now, a decent mic, and and you know pops your uncle as it were.
0: Yeah. All Very right. Good. So I've got so Excellent. much going on in my head right now. <laughs> All right,
2: another convert.
0: <laughs> I don't use my soundboard near enough. Shall I pick a random Richard quote to play? Go for it. <laughs> All right, pick a number between one and twelve.
2: Sixty nine.
0: <laughs> <Sorry>. Very good. <laughs> I don't know, Jonathan, go ahead. Seven. Seven. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Can't believe I did the freaking hand thing when I said that. Yeah. Oldie, a goodie. Yep. Uh, I'm not even sure what he was referring to back then, but.
3: Probably don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say it. <laughs> All right. Yeah. That's
0: now ridiculous. I got to get back to the window I was looking at
2: before. Segment three. Come on. I know. Keep I know. rolling. I know. All right. Sorry. Losing steam, Russ. You're losing steam. <laughs> It's okay. We can edit this part out.
0: Well, if if the uh, if what you said earlier on was uh, to be, if we were to keep that as gospel, then me losing steam is all in good. You know. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, touche! Click on that. Very nice. Very nice. Well played. (laughs) <laughs> All right. I listen to a lot of comedians and the callback is like their coup de gras. So segment three announcements and feedback. Our first announcement is we're going to be on break for an extra week. Our next show after this one will be on January 7th, 2014. So this is the last episode of the year. Twenty one three. So. <laughs> <laughs> that's an interesting way to put it so what, the reason for
2: that is because uh, exactly in two weeks is New Year's Eve December 31st so neither Russ nor I will be in any shape to record most likely that's not true I will be I have children I, I'll be in the house that's well, no excuse Pete yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, All the that... excuse is that I'm 48 and I just can't handle it anymore if I, if I drink it takes me a week to recover so I just just to blend it all together. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that reminds me that on uh, New Year's Eve and into New Year's Day, the Hacker Public Radio uh, broadcast-a-thon will be going on. And I will uh, do, do, do you, know the,
3: do do you I, know the details of it, Russ? I haven't heard much about it lately.
0: Yeah. Um, actually, um, all the details are over at hackerpublicradio.org, oh, okay. but they will um, be streaming. Uh, there's four different streaming servers. Mine will be one of them, the Black Sparrow Media Network streaming server. Will be one of the places where you can hear the broadcastathon. It will be starting one hour, the hour before New Year's, in the first place where New Year's happens, which is Christmas Island. And uh, if I recall correctly, that is something like 4 a.m. Central Time, 5 a.m. Eastern, something like that. Okay. And then it goes for 26 hours straight. So they'll be broadcasting whether it's music or chat or actual discussion or what. I don't know what will be happening in, you know, for sure, but there will be something broadcasting from Hacker Public Radio for 26 solid hours.
3: Are they using the uh, Linux Basics uh, mumble room to do that?
0: I can't remember if they were using the OpenSpeak one or if they okay. found another one but I okay. believe all the information about it if you want to participate is on the website hackerpublicradio.org and the information on where you can be in the mumble chat is there and the information on where you can uh, pick up the live stream is also there.
2: Yeah, and please support them. They're a good, uh, a good bunch of people. A good project. I listen to uh, some of their podcasts. Uh, there's uh, some stuff on there. I'm, you know, less interested in some stuff on there. I'm more interested. In, but there's something for everybody. And uh, you know, or contribute. You know, record a couple of minutes and uh, submit it to Hacker Public Radio and uh, and uh, be part of the solution.
0: Right. It's all community content. It's all user generated audio over there. So uh, I've had a few shows and. Everybody who's a friend of ours and a podcaster has been on there. If you want to do a show that is of interest to hackers, which is the you know the fundamental tenet of the shows that show up over there, and pretty much every show is of interest to hackers. So anything you want to talk about, you can talk about. Just record a show. There's even a call-in line, which I also host. Information on that do is... Do you really? Wow. I'm yep. A man
2: have many hats. Good <laughs> for you.
0: So all of this stuff you can find at hackerpublicradio.org. Check it out.
2: Yeah, I think it's pretty cool because they make it easy for you to start out too because they just ask you record a podcast, um, you know, just five minutes on either how you got started in Linux or what's in your bag if, if you know, you, if you carry a bag to work or a rucksack or a attache case or whatever i uh, just uh you know the, the weird little things and, and i find myself listening to these more often than you would think you think and oh, this is pretty dull but no it's, it's kind of it's, i don't know maybe it's the voyeur in me who likes to see what people because i i carry a backpack to work every day with you know my daily junk it's kind of like my i guess uh, a man version of a purse i guess but uh, it's kind of interesting and it's an easy way to get involved if you uh, if you think you have nothing to contribute well you know you're wrong
0: so have you done a hacker public radio episode no, I've been meaning to. Like many other things, many
2: other projects. Uh, it's, it's on my to-do list, on my bucket list, and I will get around to it. And, and most things on my bucket list I'll get around to once my children are both teenagers and want nothing to do with that anymore and are spending all their time with their friends. And that's when I'll get all of my time back, so in, in a few years. But uh, yeah, it's on my, my to-do list for sure.
0: Okay, well, just so you know, you owe Ken Fallon a show. So, I what? <laughs> it's a running joke. If you're in the uh, yeah. <laughs> hack basically, if you are a living, breathing entity, you owe Ken Fallon a show.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's like one of those just has wet things, eh? Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it's when you it's when you sit there and in hem and haw and say, "Well, I have you know, I don't have time to participate." They <laughs> always say, "Well, you owe Ken Fallon a show, and you will until you do one."
2: I will yep. until I do one. That's correct. <laughs> right again, Russ. Uh, don't you get tired of being right all the time?
0: No, never, as a matter of fact. (laughs) No, I don't. Uh, Okay, where were we? Oh, yeah, that was number one. Right, that was supposed to last two minutes and it went 12. And I didn't even say anything. Right. (laughs) So the next thing is win a Raspberry Pi. And I don't really want to go through all of this again. All the information is in the last episode. If you didn't get it then, you should just go back and listen to the last episode. If you want to hear all the text I would normally read, just go to lhspodcast.info slash contests all the information you need to enter is there and uh, basically it's a tell me what you want to do with a raspberry pi and you might win one if you're a paid subscriber you're already entered you need do nothing if you're not you can uh, call in or send us an email or you could do something creative about a raspberry pi and uh, if you are chosen as the winner you will receive a raspberry pi an hdmi to dvi converter so you can plug into a standard monitor and a USB convertible wall outlet plug-in device so that you can have power for your Pi. Uh, wow, they're going all out. Yep. And uh, that <laughs> drawing will be uh, in February. Uh, episode 123, I believe it is, we'll be doing the drawing for that. And you have to get your entries in before February 1st.
2: So what Russ was saying is turn this podcast off right now and go listen to the last podcast so you can get all the details.
0: <laughs> No, they don't. They need <laughs> not do that because they've already listened to the last podcast, right?
2: Theoretically. Yeah, what if think, they're new listeners?
0: Right. If you're a new listener, just go to the website, lhspodcast.info slash contests. That's the way to get the information quickly. But you could also go back and listen to episode 119 to get the information there as well. Which was awesome. It just, was awesome. Just, Every just, episode just, was so. awesome except the first one. The first one kind of sucked. Anyway. So, <laughs> I wasn't on that one. That's why. <laughs> that's right. All right, we have some audio feedback which I actually, actually actually have not listened to yet, so this could be interesting. You haven't listened to it? That's no. A good one. All right. Well, we're going to play it. It's from Rubens. Um, I announced a contest he was participating in a few episodes back, um, where he didn't do as well as he liked, but he is uh, presumably thanking us for our uh, shout out and whatnot. So I guess we'll hear what Rubens has to say.
1: Hello, Russ. Hello, Pete. Rukin here. Romeo Uniform Kilo India November. I am the guy from the episode 115 Rubens K. Uh, I was asking for votes for my art event. I was enrolled here in Japan and that helps me a lot. Uh, Thank you very much. And I also uh, want to say that uh, your show is one of the best Linux podcasts out there. I enjoy a lot and That helps me with my art because while I was painting, I was always listening to your show and the other Linux podcasts as well. And that helped me with my English and uh, keep up with the Linux uh, stuff. Thank you very much. That's it, guys. Uh, Keep up the good work and have a nice 2014. Rukin signing off. Bye-bye.
0: All right, cool. Well, that was from Rubens bit. Kinjo is his name. And uh, we went through all of that about his uh, his art project a few episodes ago. And he didn't actually mention uh, the bit about the Accessible Computing Foundation in his voicemail, but I think we talked about it in that um, he was going to donate, I think it came out to $50, I think, or $100. Yeah, something yeah like it was that. 50
3: bucks. Yeah, Rubens came through and he actually hit me up on Facebook and said, hey, this is what I, I plan on doing. I'm going to enter this contest and you know, if if I reach this level of votes, well, I'll donate this. And if I reach this, I'll donate that. Um, So I don't know what level he came in at, but he did, you know, win a little bit of prize money and he said he would donate a portion of it to the ACF and he um, is a man of his word and he followed through. So Rubens, I, I thanked you on uh, Facebook and other social networks, but now I can audibly say thank you, my friend, for supporting the ACF. He supported us back on the Sonar campaign and he is a, he's also a member of the ACF, and if you wanted to join the ACF, actually, you could go to theacf.co and become a member for two dollars a month. And uh, so, yeah, thank you, Rubens. It's greatly, greatly appreciated.
2: Yeah, very good, Campai, Rubens. It was funny because I was listening to the voicemail. And, you know, I'm I'm a total ham radio operator, I'm more more ham radio than Linux. And so he says, uh, "This is uh, Rukin, Romeo Uniform Kilo India November," and and you know, so he sounds his name out phonetically, and I'm I'm like. Romeo, uniform, kilo, in November. I'm trying to figure out where that call sign is from, not realizing that he's just spelling out his name. Like, radio, you know, is that Russia? He said he was from Japan. It took me like a good three or four minutes to realize what he was doing. It's like, you know, come on, wake up, Pete.
3: <laughs> yeah, actually, actually, he's a Brazilian living in Japan.
2: Oh, good.
0: Excellent. That's very cool. I was trying to figure out his nationality situation because Rubens is not a Japanese name. <laughs> um, but apparently he's been living there for some time because he seems fairly immersed in, in Japanese society. He's, I mean, he would pass for Japanese as far as I can tell. That's very cool. Well, thank you very much for the feedback, Rubens. And uh, thank you for saying we're the, did he say the best Linux podcast out there? Is that what he said? He, he did. And he's right. <laughs> I, thought, I thought he said the best podcast in the universe. well um could you say say that the
2: pod father has to say about that
0: right could could you say that again jonathan and we'll just let you go ahead and say it with some space around it
2: i thought he said
3: it was the best podcast in the universe
0: All right. Well, we're going to cut out the part and we're going to have a little bit, a little soundbite where Jonathan says it's the best podcast in the universe.
2: (laughs) All right. And that's exactly how they do it in the media. They take the words they want and use them to their advantage.
0: That's right. And I'm going to use all of the words he said in the proper order. I'm just going to omit a few.
2: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. I'm at the key ones. Actually, no, we're keeping the key ones. That's good. Yeah.
0: All right, go ahead. We're glad. um, This the show is becoming all about Mike into HTT, but we'll we'll give him one more bit of feedback here before (laughs) we move on. So,
2: yeah, Mike, uh, Mike, we're gonna pick on you again today. Uh, Mike's in the chat room actually, so uh, welcome uh, yet again, and thanks for uh, supporting the podcast. Uh, Mike's actually a friend of mine. uh, uh I'm radio buddy uh, and to HTT I uh, sent me an email on uh, December 9th and this is really uh, he calls uh, he calls the email uh, HamOS redux and other news and uh, because he's been experimenting with HamOS and other uh Linux uh, uh distributions and his quest to become uh windows free uh, this has kind of been going on for a few weeks and we're very uh well, thanks Mike for the feedback I think this is cool and I think it's nice to be able to to kind of follow along uh, one of our fellow Linux users in his uh, trials and tribulations. So uh, Anyhow, uh, he writes, uh, Hi Pete, I wanted to let you know about uh, two things that happened recently. First, I got HamOS to work on my tower. So he had installed HamOS originally and was having uh, problems with it. And uh, He says he likes it very much. Most of the issues he had uh, earlier were uh, either mistakes or uh, inexperiences uh, on his parts uh, during the install. He says it's running very nicely now and he's integrated the tower into the QRP side of the shack. Uh, for you non uh, ham radio people, uh, QRP is the uh, acronym. It's not an acronym, it's just the code for low power ham radio operations, usually five watts or less. Although QRP diehards would say that five watts is screaming, and usually we're talking hundreds of milliwatts. So uh, there you go. So he says the QRP size of his shack where he's using uh, Ham OS uh, for logging and for FL Digi. Uh, I was very happy to get Ham OS going, he says. I felt I hadn't given it a fair shot. Uh, uh, and it's really a very complete uh, software with lots of stuff already installed. I'd actually emailed um, um, Richard, who developed the software, uh, and uh, he had mentioned that he probably could have helped with a lot of the bugs, but uh, Richard, having recently moved and having uh, a, a large family, uh, just had, hadn't gotten around to, uh, to get back to you, Mike. So uh, he uh, says that he's very happy that you got it running. And he says, uh, secondly, and this is another thing I wanted to talk about, secondly, I've started to blog at WordPress. Uh, about my Ham Radio and Linux experiences. So a very good compliment to uh, Linux and the Ham Shack. and I think we'll be hearing a lot more uh, from Mike in the future. Uh, he says there's only four posts so far, uh, but he uh, plans to have many more. He's only been running the site for uh, since November, so really uh, four posts is is uh, more than adequate. Uh, it's, it's not even a month old, or just about a month old, maybe. Or no, I think it started in November. Anyways, Mike can uh, let me know in the chat room there. Uh, I particularly wanted to point out the third post called, uh, "There are are lobsters in the woods, uh, which is, of course, of course, about LobsterCon. LobsterCon is a uh, small uh, QRP ham radio event and a gathering of uh, a bunch of friends who go camping every summer. And he's put a uh, little YouTube clip on there of the uh, something called the Tuna Tin 2 Mojo Ceremony. The Tuna Tin 2 is a small, low power transmitter. A little ceremony that uh, went with it, a little build-a-thon there. And, uh, he says that it was shot and narrated by me. Most of it it's actually shot by Rex, who's the developer of the uh, TT2. And he says he's looking forward to the next podcast. And, uh, you know, true to his word, he's uh, here in the chat room. So, uh, in the meanwhile, he says, uh, stay warm and uh, be well, 73 uh, day Mike. So, uh, thanks a lot, Mike, uh, for that. I encourage all uh, you uh, all you listeners to go check out the blog. Uh, that's at N2HTT.net. So, November 2 Hotel Tango Tango. .net. Check out the blog. I've read all the posts, uh, and it's actually uh, quite interesting. And uh, I think he's onto something there. So the, the uh, blog version of uh, Linux in the Shack. Uh, there you go. Have you guys had a chance to check it out?
3: Was Mike the individual that was trying HamOS on his laptop, and it wasn't working right, like the wireless wasn't working? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, it, what the problem is, is uh, Debian does not ship binary firmware in the kernel. That's why his wireless card wasn't working. He just had to install... Like one piece of software which is easy to find if you know how to, how to look for it uh, but that was, his, that was his only problem and Richard who is the developer of OS, may or may not want to take a look at how to get that installed. I know I commend him for using the live build system and if you're not used to this kind of stuff that is a hard, hard task my friend so I commend you for doing that but if you want to dig a little bit deeper you just need to figure out how to add the non-free and the non-contrib repos to HamOS when you do that you can then install the binary firmware drivers for all the wireless cards. So that way, uh, if a user like Mike puts in his laptop, the wireless card will work, and he won't, you know, he won't think there's something wrong with Hamlos. It's there really wasn't anything wrong with it. He just didn't have the driver installed.
2: Yeah, I know Mike actually kind of figured that when he'd installed it, he 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 kind of guessed that it was probably something that he hadn't done exactly. And he says in the chat room, uh, uh, "Yes, I found out I had to install the firmware." Uh, for the USB Wi-Fi device, Uh, there you go, and uh, somebody, uh, Ted, mentions that you should tell the developer about the bugs or the problems, Uh, the good thing is that the developer always listens to the podcast, so he's very, very aware of all this, he's just so busy that he doesn't necessarily have the time to answer uh, uh, right away, so I'm I'm sure that uh, Richard will take good note of that, and and he's probably very uh, happy of that comment, I wasn't aware of that either, so that's uh, very good information.
0: When you were talking about installing stuff from the, you know, non-free repos in Debian, it occurred to me that it might be difficult for somebody to do that who's having Wi-Fi problems because they probably don't have a network to do the install with. And just plug in the cable.
3: Well, the, yeah, the hardwired network card probably was working.
0: <laughs> Some people don't even have anything to plug that into, you know what I mean? Uh, a lot of times it's just completely Wi-Fi, and I've I've been in a situation where that's the only network available that I have. I might have an Ethernet port, but I don't have a cable or, you know, could have been any uh, yeah. any number of problems, really.
3: Yeah, that's why I was saying Richard might at some point want to take a look at adding the repos. But like I said, <laughs> I commend if using live build, it's definitely not an easy task. And, you know, maybe in the future you could take a look at it to, to make it a little bit easier for the users. If, you know, that way uh, all the wireless cards will just work out of the box.
0: Yeah, I know when we asked him how long it took him to develop the Ham OS, he said it took him eight months. Now, I don't know how much his family and you know work and all the things he does on a regular basis interfered with that, but um, that's still a long time to develop a piece of software. Uh, obviously, he put some thought and effort into it. So I think that's about it. We've already covered our feedback. We've gotten through our topics. We talked to Jonathan about uh, his Indiegogo campaign and the Accessible Computing Foundation. So I think we're ready to wrap things up. Um, we've got several donations, uh, monthly subscribers, Scott Pettigrew, Jeremy Hall, Bill Arcand, Bill Hyatt, James Newman, and Gary Uts. Thank you all for your donations, your continued donations. Those are all, uh, subscriptions actually that we get monthly, uh, subscriptions are $2 a month and $20 a year. Lots of good value for your dollar here and there. Should you decide that you would like to help us out more on that coming up with Pete here in a minute. On the social media side, we've had uh, likes over on Facebook by He-Yul. Uh, no, do you have any idea what uh, nationality that is? Because I don't. <laughs> no. No. I didn't okay. I research it. Well, I'm hoping that was even close to the pronunciation. You know who you are. Uh, Robert Bronowski, Robert Keller, Paul Griffith, and Joe Siacha. Thanks for the liking us over there on Facebook. On Google+, uh, we had Bernard Wolf, Nick Bloom, Tom Sarlandi and Bennett Cobb uh, add us to their circles or join our community over on Google Plus. On Twitter, we have new followers: Gerard Thompson M3XYP, Thomas Sarlandi uh, at Sarfata S A R F A T A, and George muscow W0LMN. That's kind of a cool call, and W0LMN. Yeah. <laughs> So that's pretty cool. Thanks for following us over on Twitter. And uh, we've also had a couple of folks, Clay Lane and Nathan Ivan, join us on the mailing list. And if you are interested, we have a new Badger merchandise uh which we don't promote very much on the show but you should check it out. The first one was a little bit confrontational, I still think they're fun. I wear my shirt you know here and there, especially at conferences and stuff. Uh but for those people who are a little more socially minded perhaps, we have a new design that I created about a month and a half ago and put it up over at uh Cafe Press, I think. Let's say one of the one of the sites Cafe Press or Printfection, so uh, if you want to help out the show in that way, we have merchandise, we have mugs, uh, tablet covers, clocks, shirts, hoodies, all kinds of stuff like that. And uh, some of your purchase goes to help out the show and uh, you get a cool hoodie or mug or clock or something. Anyway, before I talk too much about that, since Pete's going to bring it up again, I guess we'll uh, say thank you, Jonathan, for being with us tonight and uh, talking about your new project. That's that's very cool. And I hope you're successful raising the the money that you're looking for there.
3: Ah, thank you, guys. I totally appreciate coming on and you giving me the opportunity.
2: No, nope. yeah, that was fun. Absolutely. You're yep. a great guy.
0: Absolutely. Great guy and a great project. And uh, we hope we can uh, help you, you know, get a little closer to your goal. And uh, with that, I guess I'm going to start the outro music. Pete's going to start us on the way out of episode number 120. So take it away, Pete. All right. My name is Pete, Victor Echo 2X Ray
2: Papalima. I'm in Montreal saying uh, happy end of 2013, happy beginning to 2014. Uh, Please check out our website, uh, lhspodcast.info, where you could become an ambassador. Uh, Visiting the website, you can check out upcoming events, information, uh, and you can uh, represent Linux in the ham shack at a nearby Linux conference or HamFest if you wish. Uh, you can email us, info at lhspodcast.info. You can leave us a voicemail at 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's one nine zero nine five four seven seven four six nine. All hate mail is routed to Harrison at hatemail at lhspodcast.info. Yes, that is a real email, and... Harrison will be happy to deal with them uh, you can subscribe to our mailing list of course check out the wimp the, the wimp check out the link on the website uh, it's time for me to go to bed uh, cafe press and print if you want to buy some of our show merchandise as Russ was just mentioning each purchase helps out the show a little bit you can also help the show by clicking on the sponsored ads in the right hand column of the homepage that helps us out so check that out triple dub dot slash LHS podcast or triple dub dot Infection.com slash LHS podcast. Listen to us live every other Tuesday in two, two weeks. We'll be back on uh, January 7th, 8 p.m. Central Time uh, or Wednesday at 0200 Zulu. Recording schedule and our fancy new countdown timer for the next episode is on the website. Check it out. Thanks to all of our listeners live in quasi live and, and uh, come on back soon.
0: All right, and with that, this is Russ, K5TUX. You can find me on all of the social ne- media networks out there, uh, usually under the handle JR Woodman, and I'm also K5TUX over at LHS Podcast LHSpodcast.info is the clearinghouse for all the information about the show, including the ambassador program, the current contests, where to find the live streaming info, where to connect with IRC, and how to support the show as a subscriber or with buying merchandise or clicking on the sponsored ads and all of that good stuff. And with that, we will say goodbye and thank you once again to Jonathan for coming on the show with us tonight. And uh, we will catch you all in three weeks' time for episode number 121 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Catch you all then. Out of what? Luck, time, chicken, and money.